It's been a while. We're back with another Skyline Champions pod. Joining me, first-time champion, GM of the Toronto Blue Jays, Toronto Amin. How are you doing? I'm excellent, and I'm very happy to be on this show, Jacob. I mean, I uh, with you, it's for the last few years. I'm like, this has got to be it. I uh, I remember hearing a story back in '86 uh, when Bill Buckner made that error. I, I I forget who it was, but some sportscaster was talking with some of the Red Sox guys, like, I need to be able to talk to Buckner. I need to talk to Buckner. He's going to be the series MVP. And that's how I felt with you, where where we're so close, and all of a sudden, you fall off, you you do whatever. You went 0 for 4 across six years, and here we are, fifth appearance in seven years with the Toronto Blue Jays, the most uh, ever Skyline Cup appearances in seven years, breaking a long record held by the AI era White Sox. White Sox made it back-to-back in 85-86, again in 90 and 91. Four appearances in seven years, won twice. You've only won once in seven years, but this one has got to feel good, doesn't it? Oh, it feels real good. Yeah, it felt uh, felt real vindication winning this one. I needed this one. I couldn't go 0-5. It was a terrible number, 0-5. Oh, gotta have the, gotta have need to have that victory, and it felt really, really good. I mean, I remember when the Angels won in thirteen. I, again, it was just the feeling of getting a monkey off your back. Like, you. I mean, I remember we went through Seattle. I mean, we we vindicated a lot because we we got through Chicago, we got through Schwab, we got through Seattle. Is that what it felt like for you, getting through New York, getting through Texas, and finally at the end of it, just being like, finally. Yes, finally, you don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about fucking JP trolling you during the playoffs. So yeah, once you uh, once you win it, it's, it's you're right. It's a big monkey off the back. You can relax for few, enjoy the future playoff years uh, a lot more. I think hopefully. <laughs> well, JP will still troll you because that's what JP does. Because you know he's a dick. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. What is here is the 2022 Toronto Blue Jays, arguably one of the best teams in Sky history. First in Team ERA, first in runs scored, first in batting war, first in pitching war. Just a loaded team top to bottom, and it starts with that rotation. You move Kevin Anderson, but the top four of Mercado, Geraldo, Turner, Arford is legit, and I will admit, Geraldo has officially proved me wrong. Yeah, what a beast. I mean, him and between him and Mercado in the playoffs, they were bloody unhittable, so... They were, yeah, when he when he got that starter tag that um, happened. It's funny, that starter tag happened at the beginning, I think maybe even in spring training for me. Like, I saw it start. I was really excited. And then, honestly, within a sim or two, it was back to the shit borderline starter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it came back again, then it stuck. And then, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this, too. His Ks went up by whatever, whatever that went is. Went up by four. Yeah, four per nine, like, just insane. So, you know. Now, he, now do you believe me? Like, I feel like I've been talking people have been thinking i'm talking crazy talk talking about this but i think this proves me right that that current rule actually means something i think it proves you right and and uh also a bit wrong because i think it proves you right that you're right it means something but it proves me wrong that i was wrong about geraldo but yeah but when you know that it it the guy's a starter you think you got to think that it comes around eventually it came around at i guess 27 years of age for him but um Who's the guy in Detroit? Shaw. Uh, I think Shaw has the same labeling, borderline starter. Adam Shaw, yes. He's a borderline with a 50-75 slider. And he was still good last year. But again, 7.7 Ks per nine, which is not what you want from an ace. Yeah, and he's, I think, 26 or 27. So I wouldn't be yes. if in the he next He turns 27 year, in June. Yeah, he becomes the next Bobby G. And his Ks go up. Everything else, I mean, essentially stayed the same for him. Nothing really changed. But his Ks, and that's obviously huge. 
So yeah, I think you're you're right. It means something to the game. But if you know the guy's, uh, you know, he's got all everything, all the attributes to be a starter, then probably hang on to him and wait for that fucker to change. And that's the thing, like you see that the walks stayed similar, the home runs went down a touch, but when those strikeouts go up four, you've got less balls in play, got less Babbitt luck to worry about, and even though his Babbitt went up, his whip went down by point two. Yep, that was huge. Yeah, so for year, so him and Mercado, like in the playoffs too, like they were unfucking hittable. So with those two guys, it was uh, it was very fun to watch, to be honest, because like they're both like I love both of them coming up in the system. And, uh, yeah, to see them kind of perform that way in the playoffs makes me very happy. <laughs> I mean, Geraldo was somehow an all-star before Chris Mercado, which shocks me. Yeah. Yeah. That, right. that, that baffles me that Mercado's not yet an all-star. Um, he better get there next year. But this postseason was arguably the, the most dominant pitching performance I've seen from a starting pitcher. And War backs that up to an extent. Um, per uh, the single season postseason records, Mercado had the 11th most war in a single postseason. Geraldo had the third most. Again, take a guess who number one on that list is. Pons. It would be Ernesto Pons in a year that he did not actually win a ring. That was 2013, the year that the Mets lost to the Angels. Um, but that, again, two t- all-time postseason performances in one postseason. Yeah. Which is is unheard of. Um, I mean that that's a once a de- that's a once in once a year once every three years pitching performance and you got two of them from one guy it you, you just don't see that and Mercado again shattered the single season the single postseason strikeout record and Geraldo broke it too the, really the top yes Mercado now has the record at 72 Geraldo's way behind him at 56 and next is Allen and Ernesto Pons at 55 that's ridiculous that I didn't know fuck that's awesome. Um, and again, for uh, on that list too, some former or uh, some current Blue Jays pitchers, Arford in 2018-46, Arford 2020-42. I mean, so you've been there. Like that's not a surprise to anyone. You've been there and so close. Mercado was five innings short from the single postseason innings pitch record. Again, dominant, and he got a series a series MVP, which I have never seen from a pitcher. Yeah, that's easy to get. Um, we 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 know about. Your rotation, we know about your hitters, especially Alex Rivera, arguably the best hitter in baseball, and I think he can only get better. I mean, he somehow, he somehow OPS 1326 this postseason, had a very good SES and still felt like it was way too quiet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah his SES was quiet, but he still had a really good SES. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was the funniest thing of all of this is that I can't call his name, but he was it, it felt quiet, but... He he OPS 877 in the series. Yep. So yep. so really, I mean, he went seven for 25, walked five times, hit a home run, hit a double. I mean, yeah. How many he's, times did he strike out? Like twice. Once. Once. Yeah. Once. He struck out once. Yeah. He's ridiculous. I mean, that home run, he only hit 22 and 19 last two years. So like this year, I'm expecting you know a 30. You know, knock on wood, he stays healthy, which there's no reason to believe he wouldn't. But like a 30-plus home run season, you add that to everything else, block this guy. I mean, he only struck he only struck out six times in the postseason, only 42 times in the regular season. I, he 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 walked 97 times and struck out 32 times in the regular season. I don't understand that. Yeah, he's such a beast. I mean, he struck out more times in 2020 than he has over the last two years. And I imagine you could throw in this coming year and he would still strike out less than 2020. <laughs> totally. 
101 strikeouts in 2020, 63 strikeouts between 2021 and 2022. He, he's broken the game. He's absolutely broken the game. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's 20. Uh, well, he's not even 24 yet. He'll be 24 when the season starts, but 24. I feel so bad for everyone else in the North. And, of course, you front-loaded the shit out of that contract, so it's going to age so well. Yeah, we um, find him and Mercado in the offseason. So they're both going into ARBs. So I said, fuck it. Might as well eat it now and keep this thing going. So so we know the big guns. Who's your unsung hero? Who's the guy that's sort of in the shadows that not everyone knows that you think deserves a shout out? I don't know. Maybe people know that how good he was. But John Howell and after – yeah, I didn't start him all postseason. No, he did not. Like only against lefties. And then um, after the first two games, which was a fucking debacle against Texas where we just couldn't hit – I figured, like, I'm just going to fucking whip my lineup upside down and kind of fight crazy with crazy. And I brought him in and put him in cleanup. And, man, he hit really well. And the team kind of woke up offensively in game three. And to be honest, after game three, I was super confident, even though I was down 2-1. Um, after we won that, I was like, all right, the, the tides have shifted. Because I feel like this game, when you watch the World Series, or sorry, the SCS, when you play it out, you can kind of see, like, when a team has momentum, like, just crazy shit happens for them. So I felt like we got that back in game three, um, and it just kind of continued on. And Hall was, was fucking awesome throughout that series after he got in. So In that he, series, he went eight for 20, scored a run, hit a home run, doubled twice, drove in nine. Yeah, and every he time was, you get a hit, I'd be like, that's why we fucking put you in. <laughs> uh, were you planning on re-signing him before the SCS? I was, I was on the fence, but then when that happened, I had no choice. <laughs> No, you, you can't you can't let that guy walk. Yeah. Um, another guy that, that I felt I called a lot, um, but it may have just been that I saw that I saw his name and just wasn't a regular name that I noticed is Brian Norton. Yeah. Former Los Angeles Dodger starts the year at the ball club, starts 100 games, 1.7 WAR, OPS 775. Had a had a good few uh, had a few good games uh, in the series, especially Game Four in that extra inning win. Went three for four, drove uh, scored three times and tripled. Yeah, he, he that's the thing. He didn't drive in much, if anything, to be honest. I'm looking at him right now, but he scored a lot of runs. Like he got on base when he needed mm-hmm. him and then hit people behind him, uh people behind him brought him in. So he was he was really clutching that way. Like he didn't drive in a single run, but he reached base uh seven times in the series and scored five times. Yeah. He was he was he was great. Uh, and then you've got this guy Efrain Ortiz, who last year, the year over the last two years, couldn't hit shit, and then this year comes out and OPS is 763, four and a half WAR. Where where did he come from? Uh, he could hit, man. He had, if you go back, he's yeah, he had a 300 average last year. He could always hit. It's just uh, um, the extra base, the extra base hits. I mean, he had more doubles this year than he had the last two years combined. Yeah, the extra base hits was clutch. That was going to say that was that was the big difference for him was because he can't hit home runs, but. He got a ton of doubles, and his defense was really fucking good. And his speed, actually, his speed ratings went up for me during the last couple of years, which uh, helped him, I think, get some of those doubles too and leg some of that shit out. And he was really good. So hopefully he does it. He's I mean, he's my only captain, so he's definitely uh, a big part of the team. He got paid. I mean, but. <laughs> he was what? He was plus ten at shortstop this year. I mean, it's weird. I mean, he he's his defensive profile reminds me a bit of uh, Carlos Correa, just because he's six four. Um, but he's got good range, a cannon of an arm, and, and great DP. So I mean, he's I'm sure he's entrenched there at shortstop for the for the next little bit. Yep, he's uh, he's sticking around for sure. I almost traded him in the offseason last year to uh, 
Dan Vegas, he was all over him before the uh, before the season started, so I'm glad I, glad I held on to him. Um, and then another one of your your mainstays over the last few years that that's not going to be there. Uh, Ron Dorita only gave up two earned in this postseason, although one of those earned runs did come in Game Five. Yeah. Three run home run give, given given up to Mike Finch that pretty much gave Texas Game Five and gave him a three two lead going into uh, Game Six. Um, did that sort of seal his fate, giving up that giving up that three run home run? Uh, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I think I have a little less love for him after that one, but I can't. I mean, he had a good postseason, uh, so I can't blame him too much. But yeah, that one uh, that one hurt for sure. I just, I mean, it's funny. I, I was surprised I didn't get more hate. I didn't get any hate actually on uh, Slack for that trade. Um, but yeah, I, you know, just time to move on, shake things up. I don't want the team to be the exact same, so. Wherever I can free up some salary this year, I'm going to do that and just have some more fun with the game. I mean, he's easily one of the greatest relievers of this generation between Seattle and Toronto. Never started a game, 500 plus appearances and an ERA of two and a half. Again, he he did start his two years in Baltimore, but just looking at Seattle and Toronto, 500 appearances all out of the bullpen, 530 innings and an ERA of two and a half. Yeah, he was awesome. He was uh, he was really good. It will be interesting to see how much the 35-year-old has left in the tank. I remember talking uh, last year, at the end of the year, you're like, God damn it, Alex Del Fiero, you're trash, you're trash. I told you, he's going to bounce back. We'll take him if you don't want him. And what do you know, Alex Del Fiero bounced back, had another three-and-a-half worth season, and OPS 927 in the postseason. Was I right or was I right? You were right, no complaints. I mean, he's he's not fully back because he was like a you know, 320, 330 hitter which he hasn't gotten back to but I'll take I'll take what he gave me last year in the regular season and obviously more so in the in the postseason he's one of my favorite players so uh I'm hoping he has another another ADF type year which is just fine by me it's funny awesome. I I if you told me that that Alex Del Fiero wasn't drafted by or wasn't acquired through whatever by the Blue Jays I wouldn't have believed you because I've always thought of him as a Blue Jay I forget he was originally do you know Milwaukee Brewer, yeah. He was a Milwaukee Brewer. Yeah, he was like, honestly, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a soul trade. He was either a throw-in or I was giving him like a relief pitcher and I was like, oh, this guy looks cool. And then it, like, it was I, a I, trade for Mike Villanueva. For who, sorry? Mike Villanueva. Oh, the second baseman or left fielder, maybe. Left fielder yeah. who had one good year in Milwaukee, uh, had a good 2015 OPS 911. Worth 2.2 war, um, but that that trade did not age well for Milwaukee. Uh, only played one more year after that. A career war of minus 0.6. Uh, so that did not age well for the Brew Crew. No wonder Andrew says he doesn't like trading. <laughs> yeah, that one uh, that one was a weird one. And Del Fiero, I'm trying to I can't go back to previous stats as well as you can, but there was like. One year where in like double, I moved him from double A to triple A, I think it was, and he had identical stats. Like he hit like 320 with like a 364 on base in like 80 games, and every hit, all the stat lines were like identical. Yes, 2014 between double A and triple A, hit 355 in both, OPS 394 in both, um, but slugged 590 in double A, only 524 uh, in triple A. But now that I look at that, that is. That's fucked up. That is way too when similar. When I saw that, I was like, this guy's going to do something. <laughs> but he's never not been able to hit. Yeah. Um, and he's someone that, that that Jerry hated when he was first acquired, a 25 potential guy that 
Jerry was wrong about it. He blossomed. OSA didn't like him, and what do you know? He blossomed. OSA isn't always right. And and the funniest thing about all of this is that you don't have the number one player in baseball, the, the, the player who going into the season, going into 2022, OSA had rated as the number one position player, and that man is Dylan Surrett. Yeah. He was lost midway through the season. He's still out for another six months because yep. um, he had a setback. I don't think I realized this. He had a setback at the end of September, which means he won't be back until July. mid-June, it looks like. Yeah. Um, and he was a big part of last year's squad, worth six war. He was an all-star last year. He was a division series MVP last year. And you did all this without him. Yeah. Without him, and then done for the final series too. Like yeah, Johan Dunn, who is now a free agent. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, as soon as Surrett went down too, like our offense was still scoring runs, but we weren't hitting as many home runs, which I was a little worried about going into the playoffs. And and really, all we did in the playoffs too was hit fucking singles and doubles a lot. So that uh, we got lucky that it worked out that way. But now uh, can't wait to have Surrett back in this lineup. That's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great. And Mike Livingston, it was a it was a bit of a saving grace for you. Big time. Uh, a midseason acquisition from Seattle for Mark McCulloch, one of your one of your many many former top hundred pitching prospects. Yeah, that was a good trade. That that really helped me out. He did. He wasn't that great in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he was. Uh, no, he's worth a war and a half in forty games. He only OPS six hundred in the postseason, um, but OPS nine hundred in the regular season. And I imagine he'll now have some sort of position for you, whether that be platooning with. My guess is platooning with Brian Norton. Yeah, he'll be he'll uh, definitely be starting, but uh, yeah, probably platooning. He might not be. He might be the everyday center fielder until uh, Sarek comes back. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I guess what what who who replaces Kevin Anderson for this coming year? Is it going to be Wayne Levesque? Wayne Levesque, the Wayne Levesque experience. Yeah, and I, I and I may even um, I love Tom Storty. I know a couple of other guys uh, do too as well. Um, I know I got a real big love affair for this guy, so I'm gonna try and find a way to start him. My master plan going into the season is that, especially if Turner doesn't move, is Arford's uh, gonna be my closer for for the foreseeable start of the of the season, and then see how that goes. So I'd love to have him kind of uh, take on the on the closer role and and see how that goes. So right. I'll get Bilbeck and Storty in the lineup. I mean, what the fun fact we can say about Tom Storty is that Tom Storty was on the mound. Yes. When when the Blue Jays ended it against the Rangers. Yep. Tom yep. Storty was was that pitcher. Yep. <laughs> In a tight eight nothing game, he was he was clutch. And so so Storty closes it out. What what, what do you do? Do you, do you jump for joy? Do you, do you mention your wife? Hey, I finally won one. She goes. I don't care what's for dinner. Like like what 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 happened in the uh, in the Leagati household? Uh, my my kids were actually my kids and my wife were like just coming home from school in like the eighth inning. So uh, I'm a pretty superstitious guy. So I just kind of locked my office door <laughs> and I uh, just wanted to keep focusing on that. And as soon as it was over, yeah, I brought my kids in and I celebrated with the boys. My wife, uh, you know, she was happy, but uh, couldn't give a shit. But the boys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She was like, good for you, honey. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't care less. Yeah. But I, mean, was- I like it, it, it's interesting. Like, like I'll mention something to my mom about this, or I'll, I'll say something like, "Yeah, th- this happened," and I can just tell in the back of her brain she's like, "I don't care. I don't care. Shut up. Shut up." So, so like, what, what is that? Like, 
So, well, so like, what's that with, with your family? Like, how is that with your family? Like, do your boys care? Like, I know that that uh, that Trent's son is has some favorite players in the league. Or, or does your wife talk to Mike's wife? Like, why do they do this? No, they talked that one time when uh, when Mike's wife sent something over, but uh, they don't they don't talk about it for sure. And my boys don't really they know of the game, but they're not they're too young to get kind of involved in it. But they know that I'm on this fucking screen a lot. They just see it on my on my monitor a lot. <laughs> they go, oh, Bubba's doing fake baseball again. Yep. So they know what's up. <laughs> um, did so did, did this feel better than than some of those losses? It felt really, really good, but uh, like I know, I remember like the third year or the third loss and the fourth loss felt pretty shitty. And uh, I think this one felt so good because of how bad a fifth loss would have felt. So I think, I think it was worth it. It was definitely, uh, I was definitely proud of the team in terms of being able to be in the the championship five out of seven years is, is awesome. But uh, yeah, to not win one would just be terrible. So it felt really, really good to win it and. <laughs> And not have to worry about it for uh, for the next little while. Would you rather beat the Mariners than the Rangers, or, or does that not matter? Uh, no, I don't think. I mean, I'm glad it was. I guess I'm glad I beat the team that beat me once. But certainly, I think I'd be lying if I said a victory over the Mariners wouldn't have been sweeter. But uh, still, Texas fucking beat me pretty good in our first matchup, so it felt good to felt good to beat them and and kind of figure out uh, or watch the team figure out that bullpen. So that was that was nice. So I'm fairly certain I'm going back through some past seasons. The last the last time that the Rangers did not either win the championship or lose to the team that won the championship was 2013. The Jays. In 14 and 15, the Orioles beat the Jays in the regional championship series. In 17 and 19. Uh, the the northern team won, and they knocked off you in the divisional championship series in 16, 18, 20, 21. You lost in the SCS. Yeah, so that's so crazy. it's been eight years now, nine years now yeah, since that's happened. That's crazy. Yeah, because I remember Cleveland did it. The Mets beat me, and they won it. Baltimore twice. Mm-hmm. And then the the four the four years that you couldn't quite get over the hump. Yeah, it's a crazy run. So hopefully we keep it going. But but looking back over some of these uh, these last few teams that you've had, is this the best team you've ever fielded? For sure. Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, the only hole that I think I had was, like I said, after Surrett, I didn't have enough power, I thought. But, like, the rotation, fucking phenomenal. The bullpen was really good. And the lineup, they, they fucking scored a ton of runs. So I felt like this was definitely the best team I've ever had. All right, I don't have any more questions for you, so I'm going to give you – I know you're Canadian, but I'm going to give you a minute here to sort of just get anything off your chest that you want. This is your time. You are the 2022 Skyline champion. You can say what you want to who you want. No consequences. Yeah, yeah. first of all, the Rangers, great team. Like the guy uh, Matt's put together a really, uh, really interesting and really good team, and I thought their offense was on paper anyway, looked really good. I was lucky to have those lefties to throw at them because I think that subdued them. But good job, Matt. Really good team. And, and uh, I think they're going to be around for for the next few, few few years. I think the only thing I would say is, like like I said, it's vindication for having such a good team for the last few years of the kind of the way I built the team. And I took a lot of shit for it from a few people in Slack. So, uh, yeah, that's my only uh, fuck you is, uh, you know, we – we all have our own ways of building a team, and I'm I'm happy that we finally won one. So that you know, at least I feel like we're definitely 
were definitely doing it the right way because I felt like there was something missing from all those teams that were just falling short. But uh, just it's just hard to win the championship. So finally won one. Feels really good. Let's go. Right. Uh, unless you've got anything else. I am good. Thanks very much for this, Jake. Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, these next three, four years, you'll be the only one that can get on these calls. This uh, th- this team doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, should be good again this year, hopefully. Be nice. All right. It's a pleasure having you on, Amin. All right. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Bye.